0: What's well, good, everyone? It's the Puerto Rican Powerhouse, the Mike for Hire, the podcast mercenary Chris and Joe. Ramos are almost back at it again with a brand new review. And today we're going to pretty much do a super cut of The Watchmen, uh, the rest of the season, all three episodes, just back to back to back. So sit back, enjoy, and uh, make yourself comfortable because it's going to be a long one today. All right. And we start off with Episode 7, Almost Religious Awe the origin of Dr. Manhattan. We finally see the origin of Dr. Manhattan, which we know from the film and the comic book, but we've never really seen it on screen here. So it shows you that sequence, um, how he won Vietnam for the US, and this leads to how Vietnam becomes the 51st State of the Union. And it answers some weird questions that we had, like, wait a minute, she grew up in Vietnam? Like, was she a military base there? Like, no, they literally turned, they won the war in this alternate reality. And yeah, so pretty much Vietnam, the nation has become part of the con- you know, country of the United States. So it's a what if scenario altogether from what the Watchman is from reality. So that's where we're going here and we're finding out how things work so Angela has flashbacks of Saigon where she was like a little girl and when a Vietnamese extremist blew up everything it was a anniversary I guess a celebration of Dr. Manhattan everything was all in blue Uh, balloons and blue man and you know pretty much it's like a whole holiday dedicated to Dr. Manhattan everyone's dressed in blue and even the military her dad was in the military so her dad and her mom were out there. She goes into a video store to rent a movie. Um, I think it's Lady Night. It's one of those, like, 70s black exploitation movies. So, of course, her parents are going to let her watch that stuff. That's a little bit too hardcore for her age. So, the guy in the video store who happens to be Vietnamese, obviously, they're in Vietnam, but they all speak English. So, it's a scenario where it's kind of like, you know, you have your native tongue, but then you also have the tongue of people that colonized to the- you. So that's what's going on here, like many other nations. So it's safe to say almost everybody in Vietnam has to know English for work reasons. So she walks in, talks to him, and he's like, "You know, your parents are not going to let you borrow that, rent that movie, right?" She pays him anyways, and she tries to rent it every week until her parents cave in, and it's not happening. But. This all leads to a scenario where her dad sends her back to, like, um, return the video to the video store. There's a puppeteer outside who happens to give a backpack to some guy in a bicycle, like, almost like a non-motorcycle, a but almost like one of those dirt bikes with engines. And he, ex- explosions happen, and just, and it was an extremist. So the anti-American extremist blows this bomb up, which sends a lot of people to their early demises, including Angela's parents. And she's there, like... Numb by the experience but then the cops arrest the guy she uh manages to point him out and they execute him like old school style and she even said can I hear it at least <laughs> so she's already messed up in the head at this point like how worse can it get and it leads to her future life as a vigilante so it all kind of ties into her losing her childhood early so we go here where from here to where Lady True is watching over Angela since it was her on drugs and she's ODing because her memories are mixing with her grandfather's memories and it's going back and forth. So then we go on where Angela's husband is looking for her and she isn't getting any answers from her work. So he's just out and about trying to find her like, hey, have you seen my wife? Where's my wife? And no one's giving her a straight answer because she's in custody. But it's like one of those custodies where like she is not in, it's almost like a a, a missing person's custody. I don't know how to call it. Like when someone is not yet in, on trial, but still arrested um, for interrogation, like, you know, it's like a secret. She's secretly arrested. Not, it's not public knowledge yet that her husband's got to worry about her kids. And she's worried, he's worried about his wife not returning home because he knows what she does at night on all this stuff. So then we move on where uh, Lauren Blake, agent Blake is being called upon by looking Glass's place. And it's one of, it's actually not um, Looking Glass calling her. It's obviously uh, one of her deputy, her sidekick, whatever you want to call him, her agent. And he's like, hey, I went over here and there are a lot of bodies and they're all wearing cavalry masks. So I think something went down. So I don't think Looking Glass is cavalry. I think he was killing the cavalry. So it it almost kind of just puts uh, Looking Glass's um, alibi in check. So he's not a target. He is actually going to be helpful because if he's taking the guys down for her, even better. So we move on here where she's visiting, and Blake has the, in the middle of all this information, she's visiting Judd's wife, the widow of the sheriff, at her ranch house and calling her out on being part of Cyclops, or calling Judd out on being part of Cyclops. And she plays dumb, but she quickly is t- shuts that acting scene off and just goes, all right, you already know, and what we're going to do about it. And it's funny because at this moment, she falls in through a trap door. I kid you not. Three attempts before she actually falls, but she falls a trap door into her basement because they got, she knows too much. She knows too much. So Agent Blake is now being uh, kidnapped against her will. So we move on to where Angela's taking a psych evaluation test when she has a flashback. And it was Beyond who is this young girl that works at the uh, at Lady um uh, lab. And she seems like a nice young girl who's still learning about life and stuff. And she's just there just giving a nice chat. So Angela can get her wits about her. And she has a flashback, a real strong one. So it's about the puppeteer who gave a man on a bike a backpack and that was what he used for the explosion that destroyed the whole like town square. So from here we go on where Adrian is being on trial from the warden arresting him in the previous episode. And it goes so um, comically bad. He's like, you guys, you folks should not be the jury to this man because you're not on his level. So he brings in... People, quote unquote, people who are in his level for his trial. And he brings in a bunch of swine, a bunch of pigs. And obviously the judge, jury, warden, he's all three in one. He's like, yeah, you're guilty. So this was like a mock trial because in the end he knew, because he farted afterwards. He's like, can you have any closing st- uh, statements? And Adrian literally just lets out a big old fart. So he knows this whole thing's a farce. He's like, all right, just stop at the theat- theatrics. Just put me in the damn prison cell already. Angela eats lunch with Lady True and how they have like a deep conversation about like her upbringing and things that she's doing. Lady True is responsible for slipping her the pills in the first place with the help of her grandfather. So they're in cahoots but she wasn't supposed to gobble the damn whole bottle like a suicide attempt. She was supposed to have one by one, almost like you know, pieces of the puzzle and she, her being a detective, a former detective, she would not to survey this and you know, just get the job done. But the fact that she had all these memories at once, it she has to be taken in because if she, God forbid, uh dies, I, I mean, you know what I mean? Like they got to watch her for her health, but it's almost like she just skipped from step one to 30. So things are kind of taking over her where she randomly is having moments of flashbacks of her life and also her grandfather's so this is the part where lady true actually angela finds out that beyond is actually lady true's mother she's a clone of lady true's mom because she wanted her alive as a witness when she finally finishes her giant mission so she is one of these crazy villains almost that just wants all the glory and people to see her so this is fucking weird it's really fucking weird i'm sorry this whole thing is so strange it doesn't seem like what the hell? Like, this is like the most psychotic, sociopathic shit. I don't know. She's definitely not there. Her screws are definitely loose. So, beyond is Lady Shrew's mother growing up in with her, mem- her own memories, like getting nostalgia of her own memories. But she's going to be younger than Lady True. I don't know. It's, it's a lot of in. This whole show is a lot of take in. Let me just be straight. Let me just be deadass. This show is very out there. And at times, it's hard to focus because it takes too much of its, like, um, theater elements and really draw you know drew, drew, artistic value let's go with that sure so Angela's grandmother took her in in an orphanage after the whole scenario that happened in Saigon but as they enter the cab to take her back to um, Tulsa Oklahoma she has a heart attack and falls and dies before she even gets in the cab so then they go back to modern times where Lady True confronts Angela about her husband being Dr. Manhattan and she stays shut doesn't say a word and walks out so she doesn't so it's almost like wait a minute oh so she knows her husband's dr manhattan and she's not freaked out by this so she's self-aware of this and keeping this hidden all this time where lauren blake was asking her questions about dr manhattan too and this whole time he was under everyone's noses he wasn't on mars he was in tulsa incognito as a regular person so we'll be right back and we're gonna take a small break so we can continue on to the review of episode eight stay tuned and thank you for coming back now we're here for the review of episode eight and it starts it's called entitled uh, a god Walks into a bar and obviously it is a pun because angela abar is her last name Badoom-ch. so anyways we go to the episode eight it starts off with dr manhattan in a suit he's just walking down the street it looks like new york city i think but it's not it's actually a, it's you find out saigon and there's like almost like it was like an after new Year celebration where there's confetti everywhere and everyone's half drunk and there's a bunch of half naked blue guys again same celebration just 30 years later I- i'm assuming and he walks into mr eddie's bar and he sits down with angela bar. and this is where he introduced himself to her so she's in uniform still as a cop and he's trying to hit on her and having a conversation but the way Dr. Manhattan works he just is so fucking awkward like he is strangely awkward and so hard to talk to and she's not getting a good read on this guy like how do I talk to a guy like this guy so like doesn't have any game or whatever doesn't know how to talk to women but he's like listen I'm not gonna talk to another blue guy half drunk just go on I'm on duty anyways so, he gets him to sit, to sit down eventually, and he explains his backstory, how he grew up in the countryside of England. He was like a servant child's son, an uh, immigrant, and he accidentally sneaked in one, in one scenario into the head, um, headmaster's, not headmaster's, not principal, into the master's chambers, not knowing the master and his wife were ready to get it in and conceive a baby, so as they find him because he dropped an apple once he was hiding in the cupboard. He ran off, like scared his head, like, oh my gosh. But they weren't angry at him. They were just like, posted, like, kid, what are you doing here? <laughs> so they have a chat with him afterwards, like once he introduced himself to his dad and they give him the Bible as a gift to him. And he seemed like he's interested in reading it, but he's not Christian, he's Jewish. He's like, my dad doesn't believe in this. He's like, don't worry about it. It's a good book of stories either way. So look at it as a storybook. So, she, he gets a big old old school Bible, and he, it's, these people seem very nice. They don't seem like they want to kick him out, even though he just got there. And he was just a kid, being a kid, who was curious, and, and you know, finding rooms in the house, and he just so happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. So they're very uh, agreed, just like that. They're not going to just toss this kid in the street because he didn't know better. Now he does. Stay out of the chambers, because <laughs> they're trying to conceive a baby. They want to, had a child before. He died young, and they want a second shot at it. Starting a family once again, and they can't have interruptions, especially peeping toms. <laughs> so he uh, they talk to him about this, and then the story of Adam and Eve comes up, and then they're in their own home, and this is funny because when he's Doctor Mahan, the hero, he goes to Europa, the small moon of Jupiter, and recreates verbatim an Adam and Eve scenario himself, except it took him one day versus how it took God seven days, and. Not to, he was bragging, but he was just saying what it took him to do this stuff. And Angel's listening to this whole story like, this guy's good at storytelling, but he's full of shit. <laughs> so the, the reaction leads to a giant fight, and he leaves. This is the part where we actually see the relationship. Months down the road, he caught a, almost a callback when he first met her. He's like, oh, we're going to have a giant fight. Like, when? When? In about six months. And then they showed the fight six months later. This guy, time, he just knows things are gonna happen. And it's so strange because, uh how do I say this? Time does not work the same for him as it just does for others. So it's very much like he lives out of a timeline. He kind of just exists like an omnipotent being, a deity of some sort. So he, feels, memories, emotions, everything out of context. So it throws everybody off. That's why he's such a hard person to communicate with because he's not really living in the right now. He's living in his own little world. So this is where they have a chat and his reaction leads to the fight that he predicted and he leaves and he's naked on Adrian's uh, Antarctic base. And Adrian makes his comment like, oh, how you doing, John? He's like, how did you know it's me? Because he's incognito as a black man, not dressed as himself. And he's like, Well, because no one else has the balls to show up completely naked in their birthday suit to visit me. He's like, Oh, yeah, that's right, clothes. <laughs> so the, the concept of clothing to him, it doesn't even translate to like embarrassment. Like he just lacks any human emotions at all. So I don't know how Angela ever felt for this guy because he is the almost too robotic to be likable, but he's also charming at times. I, I don't know. It's just this guy's a silent, quiet type. Uh, so he's just swinging his dick at uh, Adrian's place, puts on the actual suit, and then they have an actual conversation, and it, this reveals Adrian who's behind the squid monster and behind the raining squid uh, forecast on purpose to keep the nuclear uh, powers from destroying themselves, causing a, you know, nuclear apocalypse. So it, he didn't create this chaos, it would have not, it would have, if the Cold War would continue, then it would have led to future nuclear issues. That's what he was feeling. And he's much younger in this scenario than how he looks like now this is back when they were first meeting, so it was like 10 years prior. So his haircut's a little bit more like cool looking and he's not as old because this is like 2008, I believe, that this whole thing happened when they first met. It's like a big old flashback about how Angela and him been together for 10 plus years and how they're just showing their relationship, their dynamic and all that stuff. So after going to Adrian Weitz for advice to be a normal person, he has an idea about blocking his frontal lobe memories. And he's like, John, it, it, are you sure you want to do it? Like, you know, not even that. He's like, John's like amazed that he came up with this idea. He's like, oh, I came up with this year, years ago in the 80s when I was trying to stop you because I was afraid you are going to, you know, kill us all. Because John is threatening because he can just snap his fingers and kill anybody on sight. He is that strong and that hard to take down. So, you know, when to take down a guy like this is to make him not know who he is and how not to use his powers. Unless, you know, reflexes. And we move on from this where John is off to meet Angela's grandfather before he mind wipes himself and Angela is taken aback by all this information and confuses hell because but also entertained because this is all crazy this is the first day they met and he's living through their future and just paraphrasing it to give her like a synopsis of the next 10 years and she's like I don't know who this clown is but this guy is definitely out there he's wild and like crazy so He then zaps away the kids to safety in modern day when he finally wakes up from his uh, mental prison because Angela takes out the chip out of his head, or ring it actually, to uh, revive him back to normal so he can help them because the cavalry are going to attack them. So he zaps the kid away to the grandfather's house in New York. He comes to life again and he wants waffles. So he's making waffles and... all the ingredients are flowing in the air and Angela she says watch the eggs and she grabs them she just slams them out of anger like how can you eat breakfast at a time like this he's like oh it's alright the cavalry are already here in front of the house without even much notice like wait this whole time we were arguing they're in front of the house and he's like yep pretty much <laughs> again this guy feels zero emotion so this is where the whole story wraps up essentially with um, he comes to life again to, to fight off the cavalry and looking because they're looking for him and they're right outside and that was the end of episode 8 So, no break this time. I can just zip through the last of it. Episode 9 is pretty short of you. So, now this is the review of Episode 9, which is titled, See How They Fly. And Adrian Veidt, January 1st, 1993, he has a video presentation for the future president, uh, Redford. Well, actually, this is in the 80s, but it's for that date, so the president can see the video of him confessing his crimes. It's Doomsday, 1985, and Lady True is work. No, Lady True's mom is working at this lab. Uh, the, but she's one of the cleaning ladies, She's not even an engineer or scientist. She's a regular cleaning lady. So she just blends in with the shadows, and she gets into his, his office. And behind there's a painting of Alexander the Great. And when you open the like secret passcode on the computer, I guess it opens a the the a trap door where the portrait is. There's vials of sperm and that's his. I'm assuming he was saving a sperm for his future so they can have like a, not an army of Adrian's, but they can have a next of kin so that when he's dying, he can continue his research through his child. So she takes it and injects it herself to um, impregnate herself and have his kid, his seed. So we move on to 2008 where Lady True visits fight in Antarctica. She's covered in a big old parka with goggles and knocks in the store. He's like, what are you doing here if you're a super fan? Get out of here. How did he even get to Antarctica? She compliments him, but has a plan to help him out in his issues and harness John's power. So he's intrigued by what her statement was. And like, he's like, oh, can you five minutes come inside? So they talk and it's a whole scenario where he reveals, no, where she reveals, sorry, that she is the illegitimate illeg- illeg- daughter that he that uh, by her mom had years ago back in the 80s. And he's, like, taken aback by this, like, he never gave himself to a woman, assuming agent as a virgin, or, like, he just was so preoccupied at work, probably got laid, but never, really like, gave himself as, and him. he never came in a woman. But I think it's a matter of he's just, it's open to, I'm assuming he's a virgin, virgin evil genius, I guess you can call it, yeah, because, I don't know, this guy's a weirdo. He's a weirdo from episode one, so I don't know how to explain his damn He's, he's so caught up in his work, he doesn't have to turn up to any pleasure. That's just madness, pure madness. But he is a madman, so nothing really seems out of character for this guy because he's so stuck up in his own egotistical mindsets. So here we go on, where she sends a ship to Europa. Or not really a sh- Yeah, a ship after a satellite. Remember the previous episodes where the satellite saw the um, SOS versus it Save Me? It showed that Moore zoomed out. It was her satellite that she said it was going to send out there to see a picture of Manhattan because that's where she knows he's going to be living at. And because he timed it right, it wasn't save me all the body parts. He wrote save me daughter. And in the beginning of this episode, he even said he wouldn't acknowledge her as her daughter. And it's kind of funny. It comes full circle like that. So when well, she compliments him about this and she helps him out, uh, the spaceship, the warden's there and tries to stop him and fails miserably, gets his ass whipped and dies. And before he dies, like, was I a good nemesis? Because he's just another Smith um, clone, just with a mask on. He's like, uh, not really, as he passed away. But before this, he told him, why did you make me wear a mask? He's like, you needed to assume a different identity than the other characters. So he kind of like made a character for this guy. He him a mustache while the other Smiths were all clean shaven. So all kind of made like, he. it was to keep himself from going insane. Like he created this nemesis in this warden to keep himself busy because he had no way of getting back because he was stuck in this world, this quote-unquote perfect utopia that he agreed to go to and he regrets it. So he actually created his own prison because he was so fed up the world. He wanted to live in a utopia and when he finally got to one, it was not what he expected and he got bored real quick because he's the guy that likes to stay busy and keep himself entertaining also I'm pretty sure he likes to go out in the world and do stuff even though he lives in a lab He's able to go to restaurants and just interact with some people I mean even the most recluse people go out to see some some sunlight for God's sakes Now not seeing Europe is not a beautiful world, but it's too perfect. It doesn't seem like he's in a real world So it's this pseudo like in Lost, where you are living on an island. It's just it looks like a paradise But after a while you live by yourself, you're gonna go nuts and he almost did so that's why the warden came in as a Adversary to keep him from going crazy So in the spaceship he is frozen in gold and preserved and it's the callback to the previous episode where um, Lauren Blake sees a statue of Osmond and it's actually him frozen like some carbonite from Star Wars It was him the whole time and he gets unfrozen and all the gold is just you know leaking in the drains and they wash them off clean them off and then so lady true reveals her plan and how she like did everything on her own, just like he said, because she went to him for a billion dollars, just two couple billion dollars for her research. and he's like, even though my dad was successful, I made everything of myself. so if you really are a daughter, you can do the same. And she did. She was self-made without any of his money, but now that she actually you know has her, her dad's apprais appra- approval, appraisals, whatever you want to call it, uh, she wants what's rightfully hers. And as for sure, considering he brought, she brought her back to Earth after being stuck there for God knows how many years. So we go off here where, uh, uh, let's see, true reanimates some. Yep, the Seven Cavalry have Agent Blake in looking glasses undercover as one of them. So he killed them and took one of their masks so he can go back in their base and sneak in, which is very in character because he is a detective and he can take care of himself. he can shoot all these guys that went in and ambushed him. So Dr. Manhattan now is captured and these courts, like currently courts is the only, like his weakness, so they can't phase out of it or whatever. So they manage to get enough courts to create his cage to keep him so they can harness his powers. And the Senator is giving his supervillain speech, but um, he this is where Angela comes in and she puts her gun down to reason with this man and with the cavalry. And she's, he's warning the Lady Shrew's intentions of how she pretty much wanted the Senator to go in this cage or like, chambers so it's a trap that because it's her own research that he stole from her so it's almost like she's too smart and you can't outsmart her so she did it on purpose so you could and he wasn't listening he wasn't having to Like, listen i'm gonna go in this i'm gonna harness dr. Manhattan's powers and become a superhero like him and for him not listening he dies because senator king's then liquefied with the miscalculations because lady true has some calculations that never got into his hands Uh, something I forgot what it was but it was a matter of like you have to filter the uh, rays before you can zap yourself and that's what he didn't do so he just became putty human liquefied putty it was gross so we move on to where uh, Dr. Manhattan sends Adrian Vaunt and Agent Blake and Looking Glass to help help him and then he dies so Lady True steps into the chamber and dies because she's doing the same thing the senator is but the right quote unquote the right way but the machinery just falls and collapses on her and she just fucking dies and then it rains squids but like almost like hail so one of them went through her hand before she died like that's how fast it was going so everyone was stuck in for cover and it was a crazy scenario because Angela ends up getting into this like um, theater old theater house and there's her grandfather there having a nice little conversation so back in Blake Looking glass and um, and if I, if I gives his grand, like, speech, like, you're not gonna arrest me, you have no proof, yada, yada, yada. So what does the detective do? Looking Glass grabs a freaking monkey wrench and knocks him the fuck out. So that's, that's a scene like, yes, he never shuts up. And finally, you shut the damn old bastard up. And they arrest him. So remember that egg, the eggs he was making for breakfast? He mentioned in this bar that he's able to create some, almost like uh, anything organic. And if you were to consume it, you can absorb his powers. So in the process of the eggs, I guess he created an egg that was still in the, in the cart of eggs. And Angela's curious, like, wait, could I become like him? So this egg, and Angela has, I thought she was gonna like fry it or make scrambled eggs or something, poached eggs, boiled. No, she just sucks it up dry, like freaking Rocky. And she then goes to her pool because her whole thing is she wants to be able to walk on water and he's able to do that without effort and not even caring. So she eats the egg. And as her foot's about to be on planted on the surface of the water, that's where the episode ended, left ambiguously, because it was supposed to be a cliffhanger, and that's it. That's the end of the series. It was a very lackluster episode. Episode 9, it was kind of quirky, a lot of humor that I expect there, a lot of big bad speeches that led to nothing, a lot of epic fails. and. It, they left it open-ended because um, they wanted to continue the show and sad to say from what I understand the show has been cancelled or left it's almost like True uh, True Detective where it's been left now but it'll be picked up um, probably a few years later by somebody else to continue so almost like a mini-series that gets a sequel eventually but for now this is the end of the actual show as far as we know there's an ep- there's an extra episode but it was so much just all filler the creator of the show said his name it worth it it's just like a bunch of like nonsense that there not no tie any story or, or anything just doesn't so our villains all die in the show and they get these climactic not anti-climactic but like they get these enormous climactic deaths lady True with her own machinery killing her kind of a irony there and senator's own power being used against him a lot of irony there and adrian just being a dope who just got arrested because well even though he was in this paradise prison now he's going to a regular prison for what he did because he did kill 3 billion people off or 300 million i forget the number during that Octopus giant squid uh, explosion back in the 80s. So, in the end, everyone got ju- to dress and shirts. So, this has been the review the supercut review of the Watchmen series. Uh, I gave the show in total, all in all, uh, a four star review. Uh, the show started strong in the middle, it started losing itself in the end. It got weird. If it stayed like it was in the beginning, it would have been a five star show, but this show was decent enough, engaging enough. But it also, if you blinked, you miss information. There's so much I have left out about these reviews, but it's impossible to get every little aspect unless you're like dissecting the crap out of these, and I don't got time for that. But I enjoyed them. These shows are great, and, you know, hopefully you guys will give the show a chance. If you like my synopsis, you don't got to watch it, I guess. Go right ahead. And thank you for listening because this has been one of the most intense shows to review because so much happens as far as Easter eggs, information, and just so much going on in the screen that I really want to like dissect the show as much as I can and give a proper opinion without going overboard with too much information. And I think this time around, I really cut it down to the main bullet points. So thank y'all for listening. Um, I'll continue other shows and we'll see where this goes from here. But as always, uh, you guys are all appreciated. Thank you so much for your viewership i run into some people that actually watch a show here and there and i'm kind of like taking aback. back people actually listening to the reviews it's awesome so i'm gonna continue putting out the shows that i like and hopefully we get to some other ones that i've kind of neglected like this one so as always this is the border and powerhouse mike for hire the podcast mercenary christian joel ramos signing off until next time y'all have a great day stay safe and one love take care